0: Welcome to the Mill Creek View podcast, bringing you views, news, and interviews with
1: your host, Stephen Abramowitz. Welcome back to the Mill Creek View podcast. We are focusing on the, uh, our nation today with always an interesting person making a positive change in our community, this time special guest, Joe Kent. But first, for more information about the stable of Mill Creek View Podcast, visit us anywhere you get your podcasts and socials at Mill Creek View, Tennessee, Washington, and now Florida. While you're there, please subscribe. It's totally free to you always. Welcome to our People in the News episode, where I interview people who are making an impact and are lovers of truth. Today, we are talking with congressional candidate for the mighty Washington D3, Joe Kent. Joe Kent is a retired 20-year veteran of our nation's special forces and a widower, raising his two young sons in Yakult, Washington state. Now, here's the tragic part. I'm looking right here at his website, Joe. Hint for congress.com and there is an absolutely gorgeous picture of Joe and his kids and his wife Shannon Mary Kent who also served and was killed while fighting ISIS in Syria. Thank you for her service. Following his military service and work as a field operative in the CIA, Joe served as a foreign policy advisor to President Trump and as a project manager for a technology company before retiring on his military pension in January of 2023 to devote himself full time to the campaign. Joe's candidacy for U.S. Congress is focused on restoring common sense Republican values and defeating the woke extremist Democrat Congresswoman, Marie Perez. Well, he didn't pull that off, and we're going to talk all about it. Mr. Kent, first, always thank you for your service, sir. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
1: Uh, Thank you. Um, I'm in Nashville today. Y'all having a
2: nice summer? yeah it's actually uh pretty nice we have had a kind of a mild summer and so far uh so so far so good with no wildfires all no right minimal good
1: wildfires, I should say. Uh, the smoke can be dreadful we, we've we gotten some actually here in tennessee of all places all the way down from ontario so we know but not as bad as i know you know from washington um and how are the boys
2: they're doing good keeping me busy so eight and six so it's full-time cool. summer building tree forts and swimming in the lake and all that good stuff
1: oh that's awesome like have a good summer then um, so, I plan to release the show on uh Mill Creek View in Florida and Tennessee, where I'm regularly the host and your home state, of course, of Washington. So tell us about Yakult for folks that never heard of it and will probably never get to go there. uh Tell us about yeah. your
2: district Well, you probably never heard of Yakult it's uh just to the north of Battleground, and I'll kind of bracket you in. Battleground is just to the north of Vancouver. Vancouver is basically on the other side of the Columbia River from Portland, Oregon. So we are Southwest Washington. Vancouver is our biggest uh, biggest city. It's somewhat of a uh, sister city to Portland, Oregon. A lot of folks will kind of commute across the river into Portland who live in Vancouver. Uh, but the rest of the district is very rural it's former timber country um so the logging industry and everything that's happened to the logging logging industry has deeply affected uh the pacific northwest but especially our district whether it's excessive environmental regulations or it's the offshoring of a lot of the factories that used to process the timber that's really impacted the district as well we actually go all the way out to the pacific ocean and then we go up into the uh, columbia river gorge out to the east but it's a uh, by and large i'd say a rural district still still very conservative um yeah so it's a, a great place to live uh, kind of a unknown pocket of uh, conservative common sense values in the uh in, on the west coast and in the pacific northwest
1: yeah and it took me a couple of years to figure out that there is a vancouver washington not related to the vancouver wash uh canada which is up there in british columbia although yes. it is right next yeah. to portland and vancouver british columbia portland seattle have all had um a really rough go of it the last five years so we're going to talk all about that um and of course where you are, the economic uh, situation it has been very difficult. So your opponent in last year's primary election was an incumbent Republican, Jamie Herrera Butler. She joined uh, Democrats in D.C. and nine other Republicans that are all gone now that voted for Trump's first or second or maybe third impeachment. I, I can't remember. <laughs> the voters obviously didn't like that, threw her out, and you beat her by about a thousand votes. All good. All good. But the Democrat, Marie camp perez a Marxist, I believe she actually ran on that, won 31 percent, 18,000 more votes uh, over you head to head. She won the general by 50.1 to 49.3. Very close. So the 2021 Cook Political Reports, PVI, which stands for a partisan voting index, had your county, but not your county, your district, R plus four In 2022, the same thing, R plus five. She supports abortion access and policies to counter climate change. Hard to believe the farmers of Southwest Washington like that. I saw a picture of her at an outdoor event and even the MIA junior senator from Washington, Rhea Cantwell, looked like she couldn't believe she had to be working with this person. What's your assessment of her so
2: far? So, look, she, she ran basically as a moderate Republican. If you go back and you look at uh, the way that she presented herself and the things that she would say on the stump, she basically said that she's a moderate Republican. But now that she's been in office and she actually has a voting record that she can't hide from, she's voting for Absolutely, the craziest parts of the Biden agenda, whether it's letting biological men into your daughter's uh, dressing room, whether it's supporting abortion up to the ninth month, depriving life-saving care to a baby that survives an abortion, she voted against that. Absolutely insane. Uh, she's voted for pretty much every single Biden economic policy that's destroying the middle and the working class right now. Our our gas out in Washington states over five dollars per gallon because of these policies, because of Biden's war on domestic energy. She supports basically open borders. Our districts right between portland and seattle so failing sanctuary cities that are an absolute vector for fentanyl trafficking human trafficking crime all of the all types of crime especially violent crime is up by about 60 percent in the district and these are a direct reflection of the policies that she's voted for since she's been in office so the difference between 2022 and 2024 is that she actually has a record so she can say moderate there's actually just a piece out uh i don't know when this is going to air but this morning there was a piece out in the Washington Post where they talk about how moderate she is, but they never talk about any of her votes. So she's got a lot of friendly media that says moderate, moderate, moderate over and over again. But my, my job on this campaign this time is to just highlight how radical that she truly is. And I think a lot of folks are kind of waking up to this. I, I had about 13,000 Republicans in my district who, because of the hard-fought primary, they either left it bl- left uh, my race blank on the ballot <laughs> or they voted for the Democrat. That's a byproduct of a hard uh, hard-fought primary a lot of folks like the incumbent, but I think we're going to be able to bring back those Republicans. Really unify the Republican Party, if for nothing else, because the Democrats are so absolutely radical right now.
1: Mm, yeah, it reminds me a lot of Orange County four years before that, um, where they ran on a moderate, they acted very progressive, and Orange County said, uh, "What did we do?" That's the end of that. So I hope that goes your way. I had Dino Rossi on this show a while ago. Uh, oh, wow. He's the he's the poster politician for election integrity problems in Washington do you think the election against ms perez was clean
2: look in washington state the deck is just stacked against us we do massive unsolicited mail-out ballots and by that i mean if you go to the dmv to receive any kind of service you are automatically registered to vote and a ballot with your name goes out on it no verification if you're an eligible voter or if you're a u.s citizen and then we have the closed code tabulation machines which you're not allowed to audit ever ever no one can ask questions about these closed closed code tabulation machines You know, on election day here, we had most Republicans uh, chose to vote on election day. And we had about 9,000 ballots that were thrown out due to signature verification issues. Um, So look, it's a massive issue. But what we have to do as Republicans is we've got to mirror what the Democrats do as far as ballot harvesting goes. A lot of Republicans don't want to ballot harvest. They don't want to get out and early vote. It's completely legal here in Washington state, and the Democrats do it very effectively. So we've got to start fighting on that battlefield, beat them at their own game, get a ballot in front of every single Republican that we know supports our values. Another number I'll give you is we had 60,000 Republicans who showed up Uh, on the presidential cycles in 16 and in 2020 but who's failed to cast a ballot in the midterm they did not vote at all in 2022 so we've got to get ballots in front of these people if we do that then i think we're going to win by a large margin
1: yeah they really didn't sense the urgency and uh, understand what the stakes um was there anything unusual about your election in 2022 from times past uh you know same thing happened to tiffany smiley that ran against senior senator patty murray who is now number two behind Chuck Schumer. So there was a lot of stake in her election. Uh, polls showed her tied going to into election day or the only one I trust, Trafalgar, but she won 60-40, or I should say she lost 60-40. Very suspicious.
2: Statewide is very challenging. I mean, uh, Tiffany ran a really strong campaign, uh, strong conservative platform. The problem that she faced that, that I don't face is King County, the Seattle area and the suburbs of Seattle. I think it's just hard to calculate, and Dino Rossi can probably do a better job of explaining it than I can. It's hard to calculate how effective the Democrats' ballot harvesting strategy is in those places. They seem to be able to pull an unlimited amount of ballots out of King County, um, and that's that's probably what happened to Tiffany. I'm sure Dino has a has his own theory, and he's, he's really well-informed on that. Um, but look, down in our district, yeah, we we had the, the signature verification issues, um, but really if you just look at the low turnout, that's one of the biggest hurdles. And it's it's something that we can actually uh, address directly by having a ballot harvesting strategy. So I think going into 24, every Republican has just got to really embrace early voting, embrace getting out there and making sure everyone that they know in their personal lives at their church that shares values with us has actually cast a ballot. I talk to people all the time in the district who tell me like, oh, hey, man, if I would have known it was going to be so close, I would have voted. Ah, it's like too little too like, late. Yeah. You know? If I had a buck for every time, or if I had a vote for every time I, I'd heard that, I'd probably be sitting in Congress right now. And that's unfortunately the Democrats don't suffer from that because they get out there and they chase those ballots. And so, Republicans, we got to do the same.
1: Yeah, don't say uh, a buck for every time. You'll get in trouble with the FEC and then they'll come after you. Um, that's right. <laughs> you know, it, it's still unbelievable to me that you. Matt Larkin in Bellevue, I don't know if you know that guy, Vincent Cavallari yeah. in newly drawn District 1 at the time in Mill Creek, and Tiffany lost by such large margins. It, it was, To be honest, it was the final straw for me, knowing my time was up in Washington. Has anything been done by Republicans since November 2022 to fix the voter integrity issues like drop boxes, they're still there, mail-ins, which is still there, you actually get a prepaid stamp that the taxpayers pay for, but still, turnout is low.
2: You know, we have a lot of really good uh, election integrity work being done at the the county and the state GOP level. We have our people that are in all the county auditor's offices. But unfortunately, look, I mean, we can have all the activists involved and we we should have activists involved at those levels. But the the systemic problems of mass unsolicited mail out ballots, everything that you described and the closed code tabulation machines, we're not going to be able to get rid of those until we unfortunately flip Olympia. And that's going to be very challenging to do um but again this kind of goes back to my original point of we've got to get everybody that we know that shares values with us to get out there and vote the east side of washington is as deep red as it gets if we get all of them to vote i i honestly believe that we can come back king county um it's going to be a knife fight but i think we can do it but yeah i mean i i tell people all the time look the the crazy thing about 2022 and 2024 is we all know post 2020, how bad this system is. But in order to change this system, we have to win within it. And that's why people, I, again, the ballot harvesting is something we've just got to embrace.
1: Yeah, because the the after the fact legal means and lawyers that obviously doesn't work. Um, I, w- I was shocked. Joe, tell me how you feel about this. I was shocked how low the registration among Christians is in Washington, oh. not just, you know, don't oh, yeah. vote, but even register 25 percent. Uh, they're a natural Republican constituency down where you live, R plus five. You would think they would be engaged. They would be activists. Is there no outreach to them? Only way to change one party rule is with them, in my opinion. One in three Christians doesn't vote consistently.
2: Yep. that That's a major issue. If we get all these Christians to actually vote, I, I think we're going to take back the state in a in a very big We're definitely going to take back my district, leading conservative, but the rest of the state is, is in play as well. Uh, Right now we are doing outreach so all of the major GOP parties in my district are doing targeted outreach uh to religious religious leaders to the christian community and we've had mixed results we've had a, a handful of churches that have gotten really involved When we were trying to ballot cure we had a bunch of churches that really stepped up in a very big way we've got a bunch that have come come to us since 2022 and said they want to be involved uh these municipal elections that are taking place in this off cycle this off year they're really involved in but there's still unfortunately and tragically there's, there's still quite a few who either say hey look i don't want to mess with my nonprofit profit status so i can't do politics or there's unfortunately the other ones that are saying like, look, this is a this is a worldly problem and we're here to deal with, you know, the, the eternity. We're here to deal with the religious world and we, we, we draw a strong line between them. Um, so, I, you know, we're doing as much outreach as we possibly can. I, I think the grassroots of the church, though, is is hopefully starting to wake up. I feel like they are. I go around to a bunch of different churches. Um, and, and people are starting to be very frustrated because it's right up in your face in Washington state Even if national politics you, you hate talking about it the Washington state politics especially the new policies that say that the uh, The public schools can essentially kidnap your children away from you if the kid says that hey, I, I want a sex change Hey, I want an abortion and my parents don't support it The fact that Washington state can come and take your kids. This is waking up a lot of folks in the religious community So we, we've just got to turn a lot of that that anger into voter registration and voter participation
1: uh, you know, just when you think it can't be any worse for the churches, COVID comes along and shuts them actually down, won't yeah. let them assemble. And yet that wasn't enough in November of 2022 to uh, get them motivated. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're right. Maybe the uh, SR, which I want to talk to you about in a minute, 5599 will yeah. finally get them to say, oh, now they're coming for the kids, not just our church. Then I care more about that than that. But man, it's disappointing. But So there are three Republicans, including you, for November 2024 against Perez, unless something's changed that I didn't read about. Uh, Not a single incumbent lost last year nationally, which is interesting, not one. Do you think the vote will be split and she'll walk in again? Or do you have some internal polling maybe that can give us some optimism that this is your chance?
2: You know, I I think the lesson coming out of the last primary, last primary I was going up against a 12-year incumbent backed by the full weight of the Republican establishment nationally and locally. Um, and I beat her. And we also had other Republicans that were really strong on that ticket as well. And I had a slim margin that I beat the incumbent by. Uh, we have, The jungle primary system does not work in our favor. So I think the big lesson learned as Republicans in 2022 is that if we are divided, the Democrats will win. So I've already been endorsed by five of the seven county parties in my district. We should have the six one locked up here by the end of the month. I uh, hope we're working on getting the state endorsement as well. So Republican unity is key. I, I'm really not focused on the other folks that are in the race right now as far as Republicans. My sole focus is on Marie Perez. If you know, if People can vote for whoever they want to vote for, but we've got to keep our eye on unifying the Republican Party, especially post-primary. Our primaries are really late out here. They're in August. For some reason, in Washington State, it takes them two weeks to count the dang ballots. So we don't have a declared winner usually until the second week of August. That was the case last time. So we've got to very short window for a general election so the more that republicans stab each other and and have a bloody primary the more the democrats benefit so my my sole focus is on marie perez
1: yeah and i would bet on the green beret to to come out of that scrum anytime um (laughs) was the washington gop the state now helpful to you last time
2: uh, Post primary, they were. You know, pre primary, they were. They were helping to defend their incumbent, which you know, I get it. They're defending their incumbent. I think they should have been a little bit more aggressive about censoring her. But hey, that's all in the past. Doesn't really matter. Post primary, they they did what they could. Unfortunately, the national level Republicans, the NRCC, the RNC. They looked at really bad polling, and they told me that I was going to win by six points, so they weren't going to give me any support, but we knew how brutal the primary had been. I, I had $14 million spent against me. Uh, depending on what kind of voter you were, you either heard that I was a secret socialist or that I was like a rabid Nazi um, or something in between, like a lot, $14 million buys you a lot of negative press. So, we came in after the primary and we said, hey, look, we need help. We need a couple million dollars because I was flat out of money. We raised $3.5 million last cycle, all individual contributions, but we used it all getting through the primary. So at the end of the primary, when they're like, congratulations, you're the Republican nominee, I was like, thanks, man. I need money. My staff's just worked for a month without any pay. We're in debt. And the, and the uh, NRCC and the RNC were like, hey, start measuring the drapes uh, in your in, in your Congress office because you're going to win. Um, so we didn't get a, a ton of support nationally post-primary, but the state party did everything that they could, but they had limited resources as well. Uh, I think this year the state's going to take a much more proactive role, get us some field organizers uh, down to the district to help us knock on doors. I, I think post-22 there's been a real big change in the county GOP parties and the state GOP. We're seeing a lot more grassroots folks. The precinct strategy uh program that steve bannon advocates to get more grassroots patriots involved in the gop that is alive and well in all of our counties we've even flipped some of the uh, the county leadership uh using the precinct strategy so i i think 24 i'm optimistic about the direction of the state party for 2024
1: okay good because i know it was kind of left uh also in shambles not a lot of money there and uh since they lost their incumbent the national republican committee probably didn't Embrace you as much as we'd have liked to. And then they had to circle the wagons against the the president. Um, I interviewed something. It's, this cracks me up. I interviewed the mainstream Republican Party president, the new one. And what they ultimately did in this time is they moved from a very industrial part of the state uh, over there in Marysville near where Steve is in Linwood. And over to Moses Lake, which is much more rural, much more eastern near Spokane, kind of more like your demographics. And it cracks me up because in the age of MAGA, there is such thing as a named brand party called mainstream. The president said they they wanted to be centrist to build more support. Well, that would be considered Republican, but they're mainstream Republicans. Do you think going to the middle with how radical the Washington state Dems are is a good strategy or bad?
2: I think you just have to articulate what your views are. I get painted as some kind of a like far right radical guy all the time, which I think is kind of funny, because if you look at the Trump America first policies, we are much more populist and nationalist than your your classic conservatives. I, I think we've got to really hold strong on our principles as far as like, you know, are you pro-life? Yes, I, I'm i pro-life like the, the Republicans that have a really wishy washy answer about that. Uh, I, I don't think it wins us anybody. As a matter of fact, it just sows doubt with with that strong Christian base that we need to come out and vote for us. Um, but I, I think it's just really key to to articulate what you believe in. I believe in the Constitution, you know, and I am ha- I did like 300 over 300 in person town halls uh, during my, my candidacy last time. I'm going to do about the same this time, too. So people can come and they know exactly where I stand on the issues. I, I don't really agree with this whole we need to be way more. Mo- we need to basically be Democrats, but with tax cuts. That's kind of where a lot of the mainstream Republicans are. They're, they they basically say they like they like all the Democrat policies. They don't want to fight on any of those nasty social issues. They don't want to protect our, our daughters for some reason. Um, but every now and again, they'll support some good tax cuts. Like, I, I don't see how that's any different than what the Democrats are offering. And I don't see how that inspires anyone to come out and, and to vote.
1: That's right. I, I tell you, if you move to Tennessee, you'd be a winner for sure. Washington, <laughs> it, 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 you're going with, through what you're going through. Um, do you think, well, this is a hard question to answer, I think, but I'll just throw it out there. Do you think any Republican can ever win in Washington with all of the things we just talked about?
2: You know, it's going to be hard. I, I'm pretty optimistic. I, I don't know if you guys have had Simi Bird on the show, but you should. Yes. yes. You, okay. Yeah, yeah. Simi's fantastic. I mean, the way that Simi is getting out there and engaging with people. And that guy is in Seattle, I think pretty much every week. And he's talking to communities that Republicans just haven't talked to for a very long time. And he's out there and he's having real conversations. And semi is a great example of a guy who he'll tell you exactly where he stands um and this is how he feels and this is why he feels that way and these are what his policies are and it's all very common sense so I, I think with a guy like simi who's willing to get out there and really really do the work and go to those hard spots in king county and not just stay in the, the friendly republican areas of washington state i think we have a chance now is it going to happen overnight is going to happen in one election cycle i think it might be more of a gradual fight but the worst things get in seattle uh, I think we are eventually going to see a tipping point because people are going to say, hey, this city's been completely destroyed. I thought that was going to be 2022, frankly. Um, so, you know, is it going to happen in just two more years in, in 2024? I don't know. But I think as long as we keep chipping away at it and, and as long as we, we stand firm in, in what we believe and we articulate how common sense our approach is and we highlight how radical they are, because the Democrats they either they're either doing one of two things they're lying about how moderate they are or they're pointing the finger and being like but those guys are nazis those guys are racists and that somehow bullies people into not being able to vote republican so i, I think it's going to be a grind it's going to be a fight and we've just got to go have those hard conversations
1: okay so dory monson rest his soul and i used to complain about the press did the press yeah. give you any support last time in the state and you were on fox a lot hannity i believe was maybe your go-to Do you think Uh, that helped? Yeah. Oh, Tucker. Yeah. Okay. Tucker's unemployed now. Did did that help or hurt your campaign in Washington State to be associated with, you know, the evil empire of Fox News?
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, uh, really, Tucker was the only Fox show that would consistently have me on. Uh, Again, it's that kind of that split I think in the Republican Party. Tucker was very. America first, very nationalist populist, especially being anti against any, any more foreign interventions, very pro working class. So I was branded as one of the Tucker people that helped me a lot as a insurgent ca- candidate going against an incumbent Republican that helped me a lot in the primary. It definitely helped me with fundraising. I mean, Tucker having me on on primetime, that's nothing that I could afford to buy on my own as a guy relying on people giving me 10, 15 bucks here and there. So I'm very grateful for the time that that Tucker gave me. I'm on Bannon's War Room quite a bit, too. That's an activist audience that's done a a lot for me as far as fundraising goes. The media landscape in the Northwest, I mean, nationally, it's challenging for Republicans, period. But in the Northwest, it's very difficult. I mean, I have Lars Larson. I had Dory for a while. We got Ari. We got Jason Rance. And that's about it. I mean, Clark County today is a local paper that does a pretty good job of being fair and balanced, but the rest of them are absolutely hostile. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they, I've given probably hours of interviews. Well, to these be people. sure to lump in the Mill
1: Creek there. View in with that group because we are not hostile. We are supportive. Yeah,
2: you guys too. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Uh, I appreciate all, the sm- all all kinds of podcasts because that's how we actually get our message out because like the the traditional media of you know print and the traditional broadcast media they are just going to to paint us as radicals every single time, and unfortunately, that that has a uh, a repetitiveness to it that does have a good deal of penetration of people. Unfortunately,
1: yeah. And for those that don't know outside of Washington State, if you think cable news is bad with the CNNs and the MSNBCs, <laughs> try listening to the Como King or uh, the other one. I can't even remember. Uh, In Seattle and you will get nothing but they can't even get the weather right actually box scores is about it for the Mariners everything else totally wrong. (laughs) What difference does that make. All right, so let's back to your opponent here. She just sponsored the corrective action report oversight and accountability act. C A R O A whatever unanimously passed which is nice the House small business committee. It requires all agencies to include information and reports that provide clarity about small businesses' participation as federal contractors and will hold the agencies accountable for hitting their small business benchmarks. Is that the way for feds to identify their political rivals and give conservative companies a hard time?
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, she she just wants to pass more government regulations, and we all know how well g- government regulations uh, treat small businesses, treat 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 the, treat the trades, treat our natural resources industries. But she she put that forward right after she voted against the Rains Act. The Rains Act would have started clawing back a lot of government red tape. It would have made Congress actually vote on a more government regulation, as opposed to letting all these different three letter agencies just basically pass new laws through executive fiat. So she voted against that. That would have been a lifeline for our timber industry, for the fishing industry, for small businesses. And then she does this performative bill that basically is gonna help the federal government identify who those pesky small businesses are that uh, don't adhere to their values. So yeah, this is a pretty classic for the type of legislation that she's been sponsoring.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately unanimous. So not just, can't just blame her, but she was the spearhead of that. Um, She ran as an auto shop owner who describes herself as an independent minded Democrat. Do you think in 2024 being associated with Trump will help or hurt you?
2: You know, uh, for me, I I think honestly, people just need to come and hear what what I stand for. Some people like Trump. Some people don't like Trump. I am a Trump supporter. I'm I'm willing to say, you know, why I'm willing to articulate why I'm a Trump supporter uh, with them. But at the end of the day, look. In 2024, by the time our, our election really kicks off, there's already going to be a Republican nominee. The Republican uh, food fight over who the Republican nominee is going to be is going to be over. It's going to be decided. And it's going to be a matter of that Republican versus Biden and the Marxist left. So really, for me, it's like we've got to unify together. If you don't like Trump, if you don't like this Republican or that Republican, look, there's no middle ground. You're not getting your preferred exact candidate. The other option is Perez. The other option is Biden and the continued downward spiral of our nation. So, I mean, look, I'm not one of those guys that's going to say like, well, I think, you know, Trump did some good things, but he was kind of like, look i'm a trump supporter i think he's the best president of my lifetime i'm happy to articulate why i'm uh, very much not like in the cult of everything the guy does is right i, I think he is a, a unique person for these unique times that we're in um but i also understand that some people really don't like him the mean tweets and the personality really piss some people off you know it is what it is but that isn't that everywhere in life do you always get along with everybody you work with i, I think uh Sometimes we have a very childish view of the way that we look at politics and the way that we view our politicians. Um, But I I don't think being associated with Trump will will hurt me. This this Trump carried the district by about five points in 2020 and then even a little bit more in, in 2016.
1: Yeah. And I used to say all the time, hey, let's when Obama was running the first time I said, no, let's skip the Carter years and go right to the Reagan years of prosperity. And this time it's sort of like, no, let's skip the Biden years, which is like the Stalin years and go right to peace in our time. But that's another story for <laughs> that. You can use that on the campaign trail if you want. Okay. That, that's pretty so good,
2: Actually,
1: yeah. I got about five minutes left, uh, you being, and he proved it. He, Reagan was actually had to prove it himself, but he did. You being a former CIA, <clears throat> how do you feel watching these hearings from whistleblowers like Steve Friend exposing the abuses to our rights? the CIA and FBI have been engaged in for almost 20 years.
2: Uh, it's absolutely disgusting. And the CIA and the vast majority of the intelligence community, especially the FBI, needs to be absolutely gutted. Uh, many of these organizations and agencies need to be completely and totally disbanded and broken up. A lot of people, especially the, the notorious 51 spies who lied about the Hunter Biden laptop, they, they need to have their security clearances stripped. They need to be actually prosecuted for lying, if I would have done anything like this as a paramilitary operations officer, if I would have abused my access to classified information, to classified tools that I'm supposed to use to protect America against my political rivals, I'd be in jail. You wouldn't even know my name. They'd have thrown away the key and locked me up. Um, so we've got to have accountability. We've got to make sure that the American people can trust their intelligence community and that they have a good deal of oversight. And look, this is clearly Congress's purview. Congress should be going through right now using the appropriations process to actually get the American people trans uh, transparency. And accountability. The problem is, we don't have enough people in Congress that understand how these places work. Most people, members of Congress have never had a security clearance before. So you get these very impressive looking CIA folks or generals that come in there and they say, like, I can't reveal my sources or methods. Otherwise, we'll compromise national security and we'll cause another 9-11. And, you know, the congressman, the senator is like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be responsible for that. And so they continue to give these organizations unlimited amounts of power. We need people who understand records amounts of money yeah exactly exactly we we need people to understand how all of this works um i mean just looking at the way the fbi has targeted conservatives and looking at everything around january 6 there's very specific questions that i would have and very specific reforms that i i would be happy to author that would bring about some accountability to our intelligence community but look they're absolutely out of control and we've got to do something to rein them in i think we need another church committee uh church committee 2.0 to have some significant reforms
1: yeah. All right. Well, what about Kevin McCarthy from California? You know, the new speaker, we wouldn't have those hearings if he didn't allow for them. But do you think he's doing a good job? Um, he would have been your boss had you won.
2: I think he is doing a really good job. Honestly, like I was pretty skeptical uh, about the type of job that he was going to do going into this Congress, but everything that's taken place since he's taken power, he's got a very slim majority right now. So I know there's a lot of there's a lot of criticism on the right that he's not doing enough, but his majority is like, what, seven seats. So he's got a slim majority right now. For how slim his majority is, the way that he's been using oversight, I think is very impressive. I I think he's fighting very, very hard. He's been out there, he's been really, really sharp on all of the key issues on the government overreach, the abuse, the weaponization of the Department of Justice. I think they're doing a great job. They put together the budget package that they put together that the Democrats ultimately rejected, that Biden rejected, was extremely reasonable. I know it wasn't everything me as a more Freedom Caucus-minded guy that I wanted, but it was a reasonable package that had significant government reforms in it that we've been after for for decades now at this point, and the Democrats really exposed their hand by going against that. So, you know, look, all things considered, I think Kevin McCarthy is doing a really strong, he's, he's performing very strongly as Speaker of the House.
1: Okay. And his majority is a little bit less thin than uh, Pelosi's and she impeached the guy three times. So, um, you know, and they tried to hold McCarthy to some strict concessions to get their vote for speaker. I'm betting that had you won, you would have been one of those. um, Andy Ogles from here, he was one of those. But Gates and from Florida and Boebert from Colorado, they never did even give him their vote. Do you think he'll he'll keep his promises? impeach Mayorkas, HHS, Garland at DOJ, or even Biden and Harris, or does he need more reinforcements like you? Because when you think about it, the Progressive Caucus with Jayapal was a net one with your opponent Perez, and therefore the Freedom Caucus was a net negative one because you didn't get there. Uh, do you think that's what's going to take to 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 buffer that? muscle or can he actually do it in the next year and a half? I,
2: I think he's going to do it. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, I think with the amount of evidence that they have found so far in these committee hearings, especially when you look at just how deeply compromised the Bidens are in places like Ukraine and how, how significant that is right now to everything that's happening on the world stage. I mean, the report that was just released yesterday by Fox and by the War Room about how the Bidens basically profited, profited from Biden releasing to china i mean these are impeachable offenses right there and so i i think because of the work that kevin mccarthy and the oversight committees have done i do believe that they're going to move forward with some impeachments there's that there's an argument right now i think do we go and impeach biden or do we go after mayorkas and ray and these guys first to get more evidence against biden that's kind of a tactical argument but overall i think when they come back after labor day i think we're going to see some more action on that front
1: all right i got time for just a few more unfortunately i wish i could go on this is fantastic Um, so Joe, I left Washington because I saw evil like SB 5599 before it had a name and a number and opening little girls locker rooms to biological boys, uh, which are just boys. The word biological is a joke, but pretty much invented as a thing in Washington and Oregon. How do we put the genie back in the bottle and make Washington the wonderful place it was where I raised my kids from 1999 to 2022 that Dino Rossi race just just happened to be in 2004, right there. Uh, two two recounts, he won and they stopped the third and she won by 130 votes out of 2.9 million ballots. It's been downhill for the Evergreen State ever since. Ever since. What are we gonna do?
2: My uh, Bluetooth kind of malfunctioned there, but I'll, I'll do my best. I think, I think I got the gist of it. Look, Washington State's completely radical. 55.99, the kidnapping of our children. I mean, I, I think that this is gonna be I think that this is actually going to break the dam with a lot of people who haven't participated or even a lot of independent, independents and Democrats who might not like Trump. They might not like Republicans, but they can't vote for this. So I, I think as long as Republicans can fundraise enough, and unfortunately, a lot of this does come down to money. Can we fundraise enough to expose how radical these people are? Because there's Democrats like Perez who are hiding behind behind this rhetoric about being a moderate but at the same time they quietly vote to support these policies like marie perez could have actually been a moderate and voted against allowing men into your daughter's dressing room but she didn't she went ahead and quietly voted along with it she'll never talk about it publicly but it's her public record it's out there so as long as we can get the funds to really expose that to people i I think we're going to be able to, to change the tide but i mean washington state it's insane right now. We, we've got a lot more work to do in Olympia if we're going to be able to do even the most basic things like protect our children.
1: All right, last question. Uh, Rep Jayapal right there next to you uh, in Congress is the head of the Progressive Caucus, full-on commie. I'm going to, you know, there happens to be more of them than the Freedom Caucus. I'm going to go all the way back to my very first show and ask the origin story question of this show, Okay. What is a Washington state Republican? What do they believe in?
2: That's a great question. So look, I I think we believe in very basic things like fiscal responsibility, not spending more than we take in, energy independence so that people can afford to put gas in their cars, they can afford to put groceries on the table. We believe in law and order. We believe in having an actual secure border Preventing the flow of fentanyl coming into our country, pumping fentanyl in into our communities. We actually want safe streets. We don't want open prisons like Jay Paul and like Jay Inslee want. We want the police to be able to go out and proactively protect our communities. We don't want their hands tied behind their back, and we want to protect our kids. We don't want our kids to be sexualized. Every child should be able to go to our public schools. We pay a ton of taxes here. We pay a lot for our public schools. Every kid should be able to go to our public schools and get a decent education in the basics as opposed to being sexualized. We don't need sexual content in our schools and protecting our children should be a nonpartisan issue. I think we can get into more detail about foreign policy and about tax policy and all that type of stuff. But I think those are the three key tenets right there. Like we support economic sanity, we support law and order, and we support protecting our kids. That's what a Washington State Republican is.
1: Well, God bless you, Joe. Thank you for coming on with me today. Really appreciate you. Wish you all the luck in the world to help make that a reality and and turn that state back to some kind of moderation because it really feels like we have about 48 states left in the Union and Oregon and Washington are not one of them. Um, And California, of course, long gone. Uh, But we are at the end here. So please tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you, follow your social media, um, and get involved in your campaign, most importantly.
2: Absolutely. Joe Kent for Congress, F O R is the website. Anything people can give, even if you can only give five, 10, 15 bucks, it actually helps me out a lot. The Democrats are already sitting on several million dollars. So go to Joe Kent for Congress.com. All, links to all my social media are on there as well.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, thanks again and have a great rest of the summer. You too. Thank you. It don't matter
0: just one bit how much money's in the bank. It's all about the time we spend, and those we have to thank. such good friends baby that's what it's
2: all about to be. with
1: columbia tennessee based energizehealth.com you lose fat fast simply and naturally without restrictive exercise or cardboard dry tasteless food revolutionize your health with this proprietary 88 day science from john and chelsea jubilee people report getting off medications and reversing ailments Energy, mental clarity, and alertness go through the roof. Look and feel many years younger and oftentimes unrecognizable. I know, I'm an alumnus and lost 70 pounds of fat with John and Chelsea and wouldn't have energy to do three shows a week without it. Hit the link in show notes for your free consultation and discount. Money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose but unhealthy fat. EnergizedHealth.com
3: When the money's all gone and the colors faded from my hair.
4: Will you be there?
1: Honey, Sorry, welcome to the Steve and Steve segment of our show <laughs> where we cover what we just heard. I like the music, Steve, but producer Steve, what do you think of our guest, Joe Kent?
0: Well, you got to just remember, Steve, that we are doing the Washington podcast. You're doing your own show back through the day. And I don't have the beds set up for the Washington Steve version. I do have for Lewis. I do have for Vince. But I will make one for you so that next time around when you're doing a pinch hitting, uh, yeah. that uh, basically uh, you'll be ready to go. So, um, Well, I'm, a- I'm having
1: flashbacks, you know. So, But what did you think <laughs> of Joe?
0: I thought he was great. Thank you for yeah. bringing him on a solid minded man and somebody who's taking his energy and using it for good and yes he's in a conservative area of washington state that battleground that whole area that's like a red zone and uh olympia doesn't like their <laughs> that,
1: that. yeah when There's... i was playing my when i was playing my hand at uh, political consultants uh, in washington state i kept pounding the table the christians and the union members who are angry with their union bosses and how the money is going to elect radicals like this, go there, talk to them, you'll win. They didn't do it, they all got wiped out. All right, moving on. There's another election just down the road. It's not always Democrats and progressive Marxists, by the way, that that, that and the communist liberals that hurt the country. Sometimes too often it's Republicans, are people that ran for office or people that ran for office as republicans and act like something else i just listed above we call them rhinos but sometimes not even republican in name only just wolves in sheep's clothing from the wall street journal by t ping chen and lauren weber uh i i hope i got mrs chen's name right the rise and fall of the chief diversity officer diversity executives hit the exits as company priorities shift everything is a battle quote unquote Two years ago, chief diversity officers were some of the hottest hires into executive ranks. Now they increasingly feel left out in the cold. Companies including Netflix, Disney, and Warner Brothers Discovery have recently said that high-profile diversity, equity, and inclusion executives will be leaving their jobs. Thousands of diversity-focused workers have been laid off since last year, and some companies are scaling back racial justice commitments. Many diversity executives feel a lack of buy-in from their colleagues. In a survey of 138 diversity executives conducted this spring by World 50 Group, a networking organization for corporate leaders, 82% said they had sufficient influence to do their job, down six percentage points from 2022. Asked if they felt supported by middle managers, 41% said yes, an 8% point drop. Since the Supreme Court overturned affirmative action in June, companies are anticipating spillover legal action could have an impact on them. Those that are still hiring CDOs want people who can help the board navigate the political and legal landscape of diversity work and figure out how to take defensive moves to shield them from litigation, says Tina Shaw-Packaday, global leader of Russell Reynolds' diversity, equity, and inclusion practice. Okay. Okay. Sometimes Republicans need to be called out for voting with Democrats, not bipartisanship. That's a good thing, but what do you think of this? Ohio Republican Rep. Mike Turner, voting with Democrats to shoot down two amendments that would have defunded DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, or Diversity, Inclusion, Equity, D-I-E, D-I-E That's my words. Initiative that are included in the budget for the U.S. Department of Defense. The House Armed Services Committee blocked both measures in votes of 30 to 29. <laughs> Turner and Nebraska Republican Don Bacon, smell that bacon, were the only two Republicans to join Democrats in voting against the measures. The government has been fat and way too happy th- with woke, and the, and that includes the Pentagon. Yep. During a markup of the National Defense Authorization Act, Republican Matt Gates proposed changes that targeted diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. Quote, now, one of the amendments Gates proposed was to get rid of the Pentagon's chief diversity officer. They have one. Can you believe that? Well, it passed, but he wanted to get go a step further and eliminate federal funding for all DEI training. That amendment, he says, failed after Republicans joined Democrats to defeat it, which I just explained. Clip number one.
5: A slide at the Air Force Academy. General Clark, do you agree with that statement?
6: I do agree with that statement, sir.
5: So, I mean, were, were the Mongols diverse?
6: Well, sir, uh, I, I'm not really uh, as versed on Mongol war fighting as how I about, am on how about the US Vikings? war fighting.
5: Were the Vikings diverse?
6: Again, sir, I'm looking at our country, the most diverse country in the world. Sure,
5: sure, but this is about a warfighting imperative. How about the, fight, the force in Ukraine? Are the Ukrainians fighting the Russians a diverse force?
6: Sir, once again, uh, my concern is the people that I'm charged to build into leaders. The- right, but you
5: would, you would acknowledge that throughout history, including present history, that statement hasn't borne true in every example, Right.
6: Sir, what I would say is that those countries have to rely on the full force of their population to, to build a war fighting force yeah. to win our wars, and that's why it's important for us to be diverse, because our sure, nation... So let's look
5: at the population that actually makes up the, the, the fighting force frequently. Now, we have more w- men than women, right? 70-30-ish? That's right. correct. And, and of the men we have, most of them are not transgender men. Most of them are cisgender men, Right. Uh, yes, sir. But yet, at our academies, we push something called the Brooke Owens Fellowship. Are you familiar with that?
6: I am, yes, sir.
5: And in that fellowship, it specifically says, if you are a cisgender man, this program isn't for you. So you just said that your answer on why we, why we do such this, this full hug of these diversity concepts is because it's all about the fighting force that we draw from, but you're literally pushing a program in the academies that says if you're a cisgender woman, a transgender woman, a non-binary, agender, bigender, two-spirit, demigender, what's demigender?
6: Sir, that's a uh, that's a, a, a term of the people that are eligible for that particular scholarship that yeah, what's is available. What's It's a person who looks at their gender in a, in a different way. Uh, A different way than I do, sir.
5: Well, sure. That's all of these people. You're a cisgender man. You don't even get to apply. Well. Do you know what demigender really means?
6: uh, I'm not really sure, sir.
5: Right. So (laughs) do you know what agender means? All one word. Not a space gender, but agender. Uh, Sir, I don't. Right. So here we are pushing a fellowship, calling for people that you don't even know what the words mean. And the number one group of people, the cisgender men, are excluded. Now, in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion, should we be pushing programs that we can't define that exclude the largest group of service members?
6: Well, sir, first, that uh, program is not an Air Force Academy program. It's a program open to our entire country. Right, but you you
5: guys advocate for it within the academy.
6: We allow our cadets to apply for it.
5: Why are you allowing your cadets to apply for a program when you cannot define the basic terms of eligibility?
6: Because it's an opportunity for us to develop them as warfighters, and we look for every opportunity that we can. you don't even
5: know what the words mean. How can to, you use this as a way to develop the warfighters if you don't know what it means?
6: Well, some of those, those uh, terms may not be applicable to us at the Air Force Academy, but some are. But, but, so, but if,
5: well, if you don't know what they mean, it's hard to tell if they're applicable or not. So... I think one of the reasons why some of this stuff has gotten into the academies is because we don't have the same oversight from the Board of Visitors. And, Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record uh, an article from the Washington Examiner entitled To Push Wokey Ideology, Biden Illegally Gutted Military Academy Oversight Boards. All and right. so in this piece, it so, goes through a timeline. That's it?
1: Yeah. That, you, went beyond, you went past the 2.30 mark, but that's okay. Uh, well, that, Steve, that is... I don't
0: have any marks on my notes that you gave me. But anyway, that's okay.
1: And change those glasses out or something. U.S. Air Force Academy superintendent can't define gender ideology terms that they promote on campuses. All right. Well, we keep raising the alarm here on this DEI stuff. A few weeks ago, I told you some big Hollywood studios fired their DEI execs because they were pumping out failure after failure in the movie theaters. Well, they don't learn, do they? Warner Brothers Discovery names Lisa Collins as diversity, equity, and inclusion VP for North America. Collins, who previously worked as head of people and culture partners for production at WBD, Warner Brothers Discovery, will report to Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer Asif Sadiq. Her appointment comes after Karen Horn, who had been Senior Vice President, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion North America, was laid off by the company at the end of June as the division sought a broader reorganization. Quote, I am thrilled to join the DEI team under Asif's Leadership, the DEI organization, has become a shining example of WBD's commitment to training, retaining, and promoting talented colleagues from across the company. I am committed to this impactful approach in advancing our DEI initiatives to ensure our employees feel a sense of belonging and enthusiasm to build their careers here, Colin said. Always sounds nice. (laughs) We'll see. Get ready for alternative lifestyle Batman, non-binary Superman, and Amazonian Wonder Woman. Oh, right. She already is that. Oh, and and Barbie made a billion dollars so far, so expect more work Toast toy stories as well. Yippee. But who needs actors, right? Spielberg, Lucas, and Alfred Hitchcock's dream has come true. No actors. Netflix posting for a $900,000 a year AI product manager job makes clear that the AI goes beyond just the algorithms that determine what shows are recommended to users, While striking actors are seeking to protect their own IP from AI, among the union demands that Iger deemed just not realistic, so is Disney. That's why I call DEI also Disney Eisner Iger. It seems clear that the entertainment industry is willing to make massive investments in generative AI, Zhao said, not just potentially hundreds of millions of dollars, but also valuable assets to their intellectual property so that AI models can be trained to replace human creatives like actors writers journalists for a tiny fraction of human wages well who's going to pay the tickets thank you the intercept for this uh as actors strike for ai protections netflix lists nine hundred thousand dollar ai job by ken klippenstein uh do, 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 do clip number two please crap uh oh it's
0: just phased out on me, Steve. So go ahead. Okay. And, uh... It sounds like that was the wrong one
1: anyway. So that's good. Um, let's go to... Uh, da, da, da.
0: I've got one that says Pfizer gets destroyed. Okay.
1: So much for trusting the science. Trust the science, follow the science, follow the money, more like it. Here's a fun little video someone made that I found on Rumble. In the nearly two-minute video titled, If I Was the Deep State, which appears to have been created by a conservative pro-Trump broadcaster. The argument is put forth that sinister forces would rig the election with a puppet candidate and create a false flag that would allow for mass mail-in voting, and it then proceeds to lay out a scenario that is eerily close to the reality of the past few years. Listen in. Clip number three in in my notes. Dr.
3: Hewitt. Sure. Um, Based on our clinical trials and pharmacovigilance data, as well as real-world evidence following the distribution now of, of billions of doses of vaccine, we retain confidence, strong confidence, in the safety profile of the vaccine. So, sorry. Is that the one, Steve?
1: It is, but not what I just framed, but I can explain it when it's done. So, okay,
7: so Chair, point I, of order, uh, point sorry, of order. Can... I've asked, do you understand why it causes? I know that it's a low risk. I'm asking, do you understand why it causes myocarditis? I want you, I want you to explain to me why it causes myocarditis.
3: Do you Pfizer, understand why it causes myocarditis? Pfizer is aware of very rare reports of myocarditis and pericarditis that have been temporarily associated with vaccination. Well, that's still ongoing for some people.
7: Senator I... Dr
0: Theroux should answer the
3: question. Thank you, Dr Theroux. According to public health experts and regulatory authorities around the globe, the number of reports of myocarditis remains small. I'm not referring to the number of reports. I want
7: you to explain to me the mechanism of how the vaccine causes myocarditis. Do you or do you not understand the mechanism... Of why the vaccine causes myocarditis. It looks to me like you don't, and if you don't understand it, why are you saying the vaccine is safe without qualifying the risks? So,
0: um, Senator Rennick, I think uh, Dr Theroux is actually about to get to that point. Whether people agree, whether there's agreement to his evidence or not is another question for others to make a judgment on. Um, But Dr Theroux, if you could uh, again get to um, Senator Rennick's uh, question.
3: Senator, uh, all medicines, all therapeutic products and vaccines have uh, benefits and have side effects as well. Looking at the totality of the evidence for Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, uh, regulatory authorities, health authorities, experts globally, including in Australia within the Department of Health and the TGA, have maintained that the benefit-risk ratio... That's not the question that I
7: asked. I asked, can you explain why the vaccine causes myocarditis, yes or no?
3: Uh, Senator, the benefit risk profile... Yes or no.
7: So you clearly don't understand the pathway, do you? Because you can't explain it. I'm not referring to the cost-benefit analysis here. I'm referring to do you understand the biochemical
3: pathway as to why the vaccine causes damage to the heart. Senator, I'm happy to take your question on notice and come back to the committee with whatever information we can provide. I might just clarify, I was not referring to a cost-benefit analysis in my previous response. I was referring to the benefit-risk ratio. And health authorities around the globe continue to recommend uh, the benefits. uh, And this isn't the question that I'm asking. Anyway, thanks, Chet.
7: Okay.
1: He 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 can't answer... Sometimes you have to look outside America to get the facts. Unfortunately, here that was Australia, which is getting absolutely decimated by died. Suddenly people dying for no reason and doctors are baffled. Well, that was Senator Gerard Rennick, who forced Pfizer to admit they didn't understand the mechanism by which the vaccine causes myocarditis and pancreatitis. So, Uh, Back to DEI. All right. The Biden administration, Department of Agriculture, has awarded over $12.7 million in contracts for diversity, equity, and inclusion, training, and DEI-related initiatives. Did you hear the part where I said Department of Agriculture? This This thread will list all contracts, recipients, and links to awards. For example, I'm not going to read them all because we're running out of time. In 2021 the Biden administration's usda awarded three million dollars to star cypress partners llc for equity commission contract support with a potential 4.4 million dollar total contract award 10 million dollars for usda racial equity commissions was authorized by the inflation reduction act in 2022 the biden administration's usda awarded you know the guys who say stake is okay awarded an additional three million dollars to star cypress partners for equity programs contract support. In 2021, the Biden administration's USDA awarded another $250,000 to Timothy J. Londe again, whatever how he votes, for the Agricultural Market Service Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Initiative. The contractor will provide support, guidance, and expertise in DEIA. Oh, it's a new letter then there. In 2022, the Biden administration's USDA awarded $931,910 to Accenture Federal Services for Evaluation of equity in snap food stamp services delivered in 2021 the Biden administration's USDA awarded $510,583 to strategy consulting (laughs) team LLC for an organizational assessment of cultural and diversity they can keep track of this money but they can't keep track of how much money is going to Ukraine in 2022 the Biden administration's USDA awarded $500,000 to professional management consultant services for diversity equity inclusion and accessibility training for the USDA Office of the Assistant Secretary of Civil Rights. Need I go on? <laughs> no, there's just a long list and it all equals $12.7 million. Next.
0: Oh, we got that nice little uh, clip you said about, uh, it says, uh, if I was the deep state, and it has the little video, would you like me to play that, Steve? I think it'd be pretty funny. Yeah, let's listen it.
4: Okay. State and I wanted to destroy America. I would rig the election with a puppet candidate. One that was so compromised that they would never say a word about it. I would create a false flag that allows for mail-in ballots. I would be in charge of the ballot counting machines. I would create a false flag to blame all who question the results of the election. If I was the deep state, I would prosecute anyone that went against me. I would sue and prosecute anyone that spoke up about the fraudulent election. I would use my powers to shut down all your internet businesses and bankrupt you. If I was the deep state, I would make everyone an example why you should never question a democrat ever winning an election. I would imprison my foes. I would use my corrupt DAs and blackmailed judges to destroy you. I would make sure all crimes I ever committed never happened. I would prosecute my biggest competition. I would make sure they could never run for office ever again. If I was the deep state, I would convince everyone that Ukraine Nazis were good, and women are men. If I was the deep state, I would own every politician that mattered. If I was the deep state, I would push my pedophilia ambitions on you. If I was the deep state, you'd question your sexual identity, but not the medical establishment. If I was the deep state, you would fear to ever resist me. If I was the deep state, you would wish I was really the devil. If I was the deep state, I would say mission accomplished.
1: <laughs> there All you right. go. If I was the deep state, you would wish I was really the devil. If I was the deep state, I would say mission accomplished. Science fiction or science fact? Mm. Hmm. But at least we can rest easy. Uh, they are going to solve the climate crisis or global warming, cooling, boiling, whatever. Greta ism, right? Well, SNP admits to felling 16 million trees to develop wind farms. Scottish Tory MSP Liam Kerr said figure would astonish the public and communities all over the country had cited concerns about the projects. Almost 16 million trees have been chopped down on publicly owned land in Scotland to make way for wind farms, as SNP minister had admitted amid a major drive to erect more turbines. Mary Gugon, sorry, I don't know my Scottish, the Rural Affairs Secretary, established that 15.7 15.7 million trees had been felled since 2000 in land that is currently managed by Agency Forestry and Land Scotland, the equivalent of more than 1,700 per day. She insisted there was a planning presumption in favor of protecting woodland and wind farm developers would be expected to undertake compensatory planting elsewhere. But Liam Kerr, a Scottish Tory MSP, said the public would be astonished at the total and cited concerns about the development that had been raised with him by communities all over the country. Scotland already has turbines theoretically capable of generating 8.4 gigawatts of power, well over half UK's total, but SP ministers want to add a further 8 to 12 gigawatts. Morag Watson, director of policy at trade body Scottish Renewables, said the volatile price of imported gas has left energy consumers suffering some of the highest prices in living memory alongside a client emergency, which means cutting the amount of carbon we emit as quickly as possible. Quote, building new wind farms, the cheapest form of power generation, tackles both problems as well. Oh, wait, what's this, Steve? Energy company China Three Gorges Europe, which is also called CTGEU, has invested 35 million pounds, 44.3 million dollars, in a large Scottish offshore wind farm, which when completed will have the capacity (laughs) to power 1 million homes. Ctgeu, which is controlled by state-owned China, Three Gorges Corporation, acquired a 10% stake in the Moray East Offshore Wind Project from Portuguese renewable energy company EDP, something weird I can't pronounce. The two companies signed an investment cooperation agreement in 2015 that gives CTG the option to acquire up to 30% of the project. China energy companies frequently collaborate with Northern European contractors on domestic offshore projects, and they have also invested heavily in European offshore wind farms. Last year, state-owned energy company China Resources bought 30% of the 402-megawatt dungeon wind farm in North North Fork for 555 million pounds. Follow the... Money. Yeah, and here at home... Fishermen activists protesting offshore wind projects on the East Coast, a man-made environmental disaster. Critics claim the growth of wind turbines is creating an ecological crisis, including a rise in whale deaths. The whales have been migrating from their southern stations during the spring up through the mid-Atlantic region, and they didn't even slow down the acoustic carpeting bombing, As and as a, well, let's say that correctly, they didn't even slow down the acoustic carpet bombing. And as a result, the Atlantic was littered with the dead whales and dolphins and sharks. There doesn't seem to be any environmental concern. This is a man-made environmental disaster that's unfolding. I expect that it will half a whale population in 10 years and probably the same for our fish. Do I really need to tell you who makes money off this? Okay, I will. China's effort also pushed the UK previously number one in the world for offshore wind with 10 gigawatts of capacity into a distant second place. The U.S., meanwhile, has just two small offshore wind farms with a total capacity of 0.042 gigawatts. Elizabeth Sowin, co-director of U.S. climate think tank Climate Interactive, commented in reaction to Evans's post, while the U.S. can't quite agree to build back better, China just builds better. Since December, at least 39 whales and 37 dolphins have been found stranded on East Coast beaches near where energy developers have been conducting offshore wind surveys, Over the past five days alone, a humpback whale and six dolphins have been beached near such acoustic surveys, which some environmentalists argue disturb wildlife. Whatever happened to Greenpeace and save the whales? Stay tuned for my thoughts of the day. welcome to my quotes for the day but before i share i want to remind everyone to subscribe to mill creek view podcast that's tennessee washington and now florida just go to rumble or spotify or itunes search for mill creek view and hit the subscribe button and follow us be sure to check out our new business show the ceo special where i interview great business folks doing good business i really hope you like that one i came to congress to represent the values of southwest washington not just vote down the party line To get things done, we've got to think independently and support good ideas, no matter which side of the aisle they come from. Play that clip, please.
8: Annette asks, why are you voting with Republicans so often? Um, I'm a a proud Democrat. Um, My core values are best reflected by the Democratic Party. Um, Right now, I'm voting with the party eight out of ten times. Um, But there are... Um Good ideas everywhere, like no party has a monopoly on the truth. and on some of these issues, I think um, I don't know, sometimes it feels like um, feels like almost like you're talking to a chat bot sometimes when you get these like talking points on issues. like one of the bills that I voted uh, with Republicans on was a bill that said that we weren't going to... Enable the import of Chinese made solar panels. Um, And like, I get it, like, there's a climate crisis and we need to, to transition to cleaner energy. But we also know that a lot of those solar panels are literally made in concentration camps by Uyghurs in China. And I feel like if your energy policy and your transition to Um, decarbonization is predicated on that kind of labor, you need a better plan. So um, I'm, and listen, like, I think that actually really does reflect the values of a lot of Democrats. Um, These issues are nuanced. And um, the wild thing about the House is that if your party is not in the majority, you have no control over what comes to the floor. Um, And the Republicans are making damn sure that the kinds of bills that we are seeing come to the floor are ones that are supposed to divide our party and our country and um i'm not going to take the bait on those like i'm going to think as independently as i can and be an independent voice for southwest washington reflect the values of the district as broadly as i can and still stay true to my moral compass and i um i think it's my obligation to explain my thinking And I really am grateful, Lynette, for the chance to, like, engage and talk about this. Lynette.
1: It is readily apparent she does not represent the people of Washington, but rather the party she serves. The Inslee, Ferguson, Shaw, Reichdahl, Seattle City Council, Rep. Jayapal, Squad, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Swalwell, Rep. Schiff, chairperson of progressive caucuses, which has more members than the Freedom Caucus, sadly, Perez election added to progressives and a net loss for Freedom Caucus without Joe Kent. That's it for this episode. Thank you, Joe Kent, for carrying the America First banner, even in hostile Washington behind the Emerald Curtain. And thank you for your service and very sorry for your loss of Shannon. She was a patriot just like you. Until next time, this is your host, Steve Abramowitz, editor-in-chief of MCView.us. Peace in our time and G2G.